possible, aren't we? Well, Tom and Liz Lee is delighted to be back with you again and to worship with you and to fellowship. Today I'm preaching from the Gospel of John. I'm picking up on the Easter message. I'll be referring to the scriptures in other places such as Colossians and the book of Acts. This is the time of year that a lot of people take a vacation. It's a beautiful time right now. And it looks like maybe some of the people here are on vacation and have gone already. Now you have to make preparation for your vacation. How long are you going to be gone? Where are you going? When are you coming back? How much is it going to cost? And where will we be? Now my family always made preparation. Daddy knew how to keep a car tuned up, ready to go. And each year he would uh, change out the rings in the motor and he would do it himself, not have it done. And I can remember mother going out and said, asking him, when are you going to be finished where we can get going? And he would reply, I remember one, as soon as I get these wires hooked up with the spark plugs and the engine timed properly, we'll be able to go. But that didn't mean that the car was finished. Now back then it was a relatively good automobile. It was a Ford. That's not what made it good, but it was the fact that it was paid for. That made it good. And you'll probably laugh when I tell you what year it was, a 1936 Ford. But it had more to it. It wasn't finished. It yet, too, had a trip to make. It was going on vacation. It was going places it hadn't been in a while. It was going up on the mountain into the Ozarks. Now, what is the meaning when Jesus said, it is finished? Was he through? Was he done? Was it over with? I think that meant that he was not done, but that he was finished. I have done as commanded by my Father, And I have performed to the last act in the preparation for redemption of the world. For Easter message is the last hope for this world. 
And what did Jesus mean by when he said, it is finished? I think it meant that he has brought redemption, completion of the process of salvation for this world. I think it's the results of what we mean by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all rolled into one. It's the gospel. And Jesus, in this time when he was being crucified, said he was thirsty, and one of the soldiers had, uh, they carried with them a little container we might call it the canteen, uh, but it wasn't just water. It was uh, some vinegar, some sour wine, and uh, they used that to give themselves energy. So when Jesus said he was thirsty, one of the soldiers was sympathetic uh, with Jesus and found something that he could stick a sponge on and dip that pour some of his uh, out of his canteen onto that uh, sponge and he held it up where Jesus was hanging on the cross and Jesus was able then with his jaw open up and squeeze some of that refreshment out of it and then he said, it is finished. Why he wanted to not die with being thirsty, I don't know. It's just an interesting point. But he did. And he said, it is finished. Now some may think that that was a shout of Relief that it was over with, that I don't have to suffer this anymore. It's reasonable that we would think that because of his prayer that he gave in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he asked several times, Father, do any other way to do this without the cross? Uh, please do it. But it wasn't uh, to be done. And so you would think that it is finished. It's over with. I've completed my job. That it was a cry of relief, an expression of such. But there are those that think that it was not a cry of relief, but that it was a cry of victory. It is finished. What I came to do for the Father, I have done. What I've done for the world, I have done, and it is finished. But how could it be finished? How could Jesus say it is now finished if he has not completed the resurrection and the burial and the resurrection hadn't happened yet? So that had to take place. So that hadn't happened. So it was must have been in the mind of Jesus that he knew what was going to happen. It was there within him that he already was able to speak of it 
in the present tense as if it has already happened. And you sometimes may do something like that. So it was a shout of victory, not a cry of relief. It was also a fulfillment of prophecy. A Zechariah, 500 years before Jesus Christ, had mentioned the fact of Jesus redemption. The Psalms itself, 1,000 years before Jesus Christ, gives us insights to what was going to happen. And every point in the fourth telling of what was going to happen in redemption was fulfilled. You'll find that in Acts chapter 13. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. It just said, said that several times that the scriptures might be fulfilled. This book that tells us about Jesus is worth reading. Every essential point in the portrait, if you please, of redemption was fulfilled. Everything the scripture said, it was happened, just like it said. Now also, I think that what happened on this day that we call Easter, it was the end of the beginning. It was not the beginning of the end. It was the end of the beginning of something going to take place. So there was more after he said, it is finished. There is yet something to come. Nothing was left undone in what Jesus did. Jesus entered into the full reality of death. He stopped breathing. His heart stopped beating. His body relaxed. And he was gave up the spirit. The scripture says he gave it up. So something was going to take place. Nothing was left undone. It wasn't like that uh, Jesus took us right up to the last minute of death, pulled the door open real quick, and entered. We will be in that one day where Jesus opens the door to the path of righteousness, where we walk with him in the valley of the shadow of death. We will not walk there by ourselves. He will be there with us just like he was there on the cross and people was at the bottom of the cross with him. Now we might say not much happened after this. Well, there were a lot of folks at that time thought that. 
for the lady that went and told the disciples that uh, she had seen Jesus. Really all she knew was that the grave was empty. She didn't really know that there was a resurrection. But she did know the grave was empty. And she went and told it. But Jesus had a lot of activity. Though she didn't know, Jesus did. And we we're able to find out some of the things that Jesus did that were very interesting. We need to hook up with those. He got a bunch of friends gathered in a room. And we're told they're gathered in the room for fear of reprisal, of, of being punished or even killed because of who they were. And suddenly, with the doors locked, Jesus is standing in the midst of them. So Jesus was able to enter into a room with locked doors. Nothing said about windows. Maybe there are no windows in that room. And Jesus was able to, in the grave, lift out of the burial garments that wrapped his body and the napkin that wrapped his head and they were not disturbed. They laid out in the graves, the slab in the, in the cave where his burial was. And when they saw that, it was just like he was there except the body was gone. And that's what convinced Peter and John as they looked into the grave, they understood that. That he's not been stolen or the grave clothes would have been disturbed. They were just like he had been wrapped and prepared for burial. That is marvelous, miraculous, that he was able to do that. So he started his unusual activity then like appearing in the, out of the grave clothes, appearing in the rooms without windows and without doors. And he did great things. Now what about the story of Easter? Let's rewind to pre-Easter conversation between Jesus and his followers in Mark chapter 10. There's that expression to Jesus. Now we've left all and followed you. It's an interesting story, an interesting interchange between their, uh, in that conversation. We have left all and followed you. The word left is means to send our bid go away to yield up we, we've given up everything the idea is of abandonment we've abandoned all to follow you Peter, that's what Peter said 
speaking of once and for all act of all the disciples, we have, when he said we, he means all the group. Now Peter and John left a lucrative fishing business. I've often thought maybe that uh, Zebedee, their father, financed part of the ministry, early ministry of Jesus. But they left that lucrative business, fishing business. And then there was Matthew. Matthew gave up a dishonest but a rich source of income from his tax collector's office to become one of the disciples of a poor itinerant preacher. We have followed you. I mean, that's what it means. We gave up everything. And he is speaking of a past complete action, having the idea that here is that the disciples had made an irrevocable decision. We have followed you. The word follow is interesting. It's a good word. It's a good word in evangelism. It's a good gospel word. But it is often not heard. It is often weak. Well, we're more concerned about getting people into heaven then we are getting heaven on earth. And some people just give up on that. But Jesus died for people that people might help people here on earth. So evangelism and salvation is not only of getting ready to go to heaven, but it is also for Christians helping the Father make heaven on earth. A very, very hard and difficult job to do. To make heaven in your home, in your marriage, in your work. Everywhere you turn around, it becomes a very difficult task to do. It's not easy being a Christian who follows Jesus. We need to use that word follow when we're presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're not just asking people to get ready to go to heaven when they die and have their sins forgiven but we're also asking them to follow Jesus in his pathway take up your cross and follow him now if we can if you will with me fast forward to some preaching in the early church that's recorded in the book of Colossians chapter 3. Now here's what the church was told to do. As well as we have found the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we try to do that. Some churches are trying to do that. Now the early Christians 
are now told that they did not only die with Christ, but they were raised from the dead with him too. Now what does that mean to you? It means that since we have shared in Jesus' resurrection, that our interests are now Jesus' interest and we're centered in him in the place of the highest honor with God. God is the one thing to focus on, on how to get heaven, not just to get there, but to get it here. That's what the church preaching was, as recorded in Colossians. There's a great list there of things not to do, and there's a list of things to do. Some are that would be negative, some would be positive. And the positive part is think. Now we all are able to do that. The older we get, I guess maybe it kind of slacks up some, but uh, think. Think on these things. Well, we don't have to worry about what to do because it's recorded right there in the book. These are the things that we're to think about. Think, think, think. They're recorded for you. It's also a great commentary on the Ten Commandments, if you'd like for it to be there. Now, is Easter continuing in your life? Is it just finished, or is it continuing every day? Is it one it's a year event, or is it an everyday event? Easter is continuing. It's not just done, it's still here, celebrated in a big way once a year. We all like connections. If we didn't have connections, we would be lonely. We like connections, don't we? That's why we reach out for people. Now, Easter is the opportunity to connect with God and that then leads to be able to connect with each other the opportunity is there to connect with God and that leads to connecting with each other Eric if you'll come and Conclude the service for us. I'd appreciate it.